Welcome to another episode of Dan Moves, Eats and Learns podcast. Uh, this one is going to be about a white collar boxing, uh, that wonderful uh, charity eight week training to a grand time in the ring for the uh, completely inexperienced um, trend fashion um, new adventure that has taken off. Uh, in recent times and then I'm going to talk a little bit about out training a bad diet because that kind of fits in nicely with this at least in my experience and then training with other people will be uh, to do with the thing the, the learning side of things so this one I haven't recorded one of these for a little while because uh, life has just been incredibly busy so to drop this in I am doing this on the car on the way to work one morning using my time as wisely as I can and I just wanted to get back to doing this because I talked about it recently with someone and these things were in my head and it's just, I've still got things I want to put out there. I don't know how many more episodes there will be. I hope there will be many more. We shall see. If this goes well, I know I can record them uh, while uh, in the commute, in the commute, on the commute. So this is all about me and something to do with moving some exercise related usually, something to do with food related because I love food and something that I've learned or some kind of learning because I love learning new things. So what we have today, the bulk of this is going to be about white collar boxing. And there was a documentary I just happened to catch on the radio about this, a short one to do with the fact in England. Um, so in England, white collar boxing has really taken off. I believe it's quite popular in the States as well. I think it came from there originally, as all wonderful things do. Um, and the documentary was about the fact that I think it was in recent years, three people have lost their lives following a white collar boxing bout. Um, we won't name any individual companies because I don't know enough about it really to do that. But I wanted to give my side of it, having I've competed in one white collar boxing event and I have trained towards another. Unfortunately, due to injury, I had to drop out right at the end. So my background in terms of uh, martial arts, I guess, um, I wasn't coming into it completely blank because I did do uh, Thai kickboxing in my early 20s and I did it quite enthusiastically. I never had a full contact bout. Um, which I would have liked to have done at the time. But unfortunately, again, due to injury, I hurt my back quite badly and um, not in training. And I couldn't really, I could never carry on with it in the way I wanted to. So that was a bit of a shame because I really loved uh, Thai kickboxing. But it means that I had some kind of experience with getting um, into a ring with people who were trying to smack you in the head and in various other places and then trying to smack them back, which is effectively what was uh, what was going on there. I had a, now how did I find out about it? I think I had a friend who had started doing boxing classes and then the guy who organized it locally was doing, um, he did various uh, martial arts classes and my kids attended um, a couple of them. So I kind of got to know this. Uh, it was, I would say it was very well organized, but I haven't got a huge frame of reference for that. Um, I feel like Nick, the guy who organized, so he was a trained coach. He'd been coaching martial arts for years, and this was uh, something to augment his offering in terms of martial arts and that kind of thing. And I think it, it was successful for him, and I think 
in the main, it was a good experience for the people who took part. And people, most people had the right attitude who were taking part, I think is the best I can say with that. So you signed up for it. And it's like, there's a bit of initial excitement because it's like, yeah, I'm going to be in a boxing ring. Isn't that cool? Because there is, there's a certain kudos. There's a certain like, hey, you know, we'll watch boxing and think oh, I could be that guy. I could do that with a bit of, I could do that because that's how a lot of our brains, work, especially blokes, you know, not just the macho blokes, but even the guys like me who are, you know, not particularly macho. You still think, hey, I could do that. So uh, I was not in the my fittest at the time, and it was also a chance. I remembered the Muay Thai training being being really good fitness wise. So I thought, right, eight weeks training, that'd be great. I've got some experience. I kind of know a little bit what I'm doing. So even though it was probably getting on for uh, no, not quite twenty years, but like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years before. Um, but somehow that compresses in your mind, and you don't think it's really uh, that long ago. So you turn up to an initial um, uh, meet and greet, you get the lowdown on everything, they G you up, they tell you how exciting it will be. I think mine was the first group that did it, possibly. And you get a load of information, you get hyped up, and you sign, everyone signs up, well, pretty much, because everyone's excited about it. You meet some of the other people, which is nice, and um, yeah, and it was good. And then you start the training sessions and it started off. So the goal is to take you from novice to at least capable in the ring in eight weeks. Now, anyone who has done any kind of martial arts knows that eight weeks is not a long time. There are two organized sessions a week just for the, uh, just for the white collar boxers. And you have to attend a certain percentage of those. That's like, that's the deal. It is suggested you then attend some of the other boxing sessions. Now, herein lies the benefit for the, for the club, because then some people will carry on and you pay for the extra sessions and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, as it is, you don't pay as such for the, the two training sessions a week. Um, what you do pay for is you guarantee to raise a certain amount for charity. So if we had, say, 20 people and everyone raised you know, a couple hundred pounds, then, you know, that's £4,000 for charity. In fact, it was a lot more. But I think it was £200 was the minimum. So this, this looks really good for the organisation and for marketing and that afterwards for the next time they do. And hey, we raised £4,000 for X charity. Then you also get the, uh, so you get the sessions for free. But again, you guarantee you're going to sell at least 10 tickets for the, uh, the black tie event at the end. In reality, probably only about a third of people actually wear a black tie, but it's nice. If people dress up and it's, it's nice to go out and dress up for something, it's good. It gives a different feel to the night. Whether boxing really needs that whole black tie approach anymore is, a, is another question. I'm not so sure, but it is still, I enjoy dressing up in a suit and that, so I guess it's quite nice. Um, then you, so you do the training. Oh, so because you raise, because you sell so many tickets and you've got 20 people there, selling 10 tickets, that's 200 tickets. Then if they are, say, you know, 30, 40 pound a ticket, that adds up to quite, you know, a chunk of change there. So that goes to the organizer. So the person who's, who's doing the training sessions, but then they put on it, you know, they've got, they've got to pay for a hall, they've got to get a, a hired ring, seating, drinks, food, although you obviously pay for those, but potentially food if you're on a nice table. Then you've got, they've got to pay for the ref, the safety people, the ambulance. So it does, you know, they'll make a little bit of money out of it, but ultimately it's a, sort of more of a marketing thing 
than anything else. So back to it. The least you do is two days a week. Now, eight weeks, two days a week is not a lot, but it probably just about covers the basics. In an idea, if you're ever thinking about doing, and I wouldn't like to advise you either way, I would definitely do more like three sessions, maybe four, because it is getting, you need to get those habits built into your body. That's what it's all about, but we'll, we'll come through to that. So you go to the training, you get to know people. Our training definitely first couple of weeks was just the basics, just, you know, jab, cross, jab, cross, hook. And you do a lot of this fitness as well. There was probably the fitness really important trying to, unless you fought in a ring and it's only, what was it? Uh, three one minute rounds or three one and a half minute rounds, but it is exhausting. Like you have never experienced exhaustion like it like you do in some kind of, whether it's a boxing ring or whether it's Muay Thai or kickboxing, the level of exhaustion, there is just, just nothing like it. So training for the fitness is absolutely paramount. It is, so if you do this kind of thing, two days a week in the gym training boxing, third day, great, fourth day, brilliant. But then you wanna augment that with, you know, with, with interval training for the runs, with maybe one or two long distance runs a week. You want to maybe add in some weight training and then proper nutrition to, for recovery as well. It's honestly, you need, you need to be in the best physical condition you can be will give you the higher statistical chance of survival, not survival, winning or getting through the three rounds. So there was a big chunk of the training was about fitness. I personally think I, thing is people won't do it but I think that should be more down to the individual people to sort out and I think there should be a lot more basic boxing training with basic techniques but either way I, I think we had a, a fairly decent grounding in boxing and you learn some basic uh, some basic blocks basic guard and then probably end of two weeks maybe third week you start doing a little bit of sparring now, this is where I think maybe some places fall down, I don't know. Um, going in, trying to smack each other as hard as you can in sparring, which is not what we did, is not going to lead to a positive outcome for you learning. It needs to be built up. But what you do need to learn is how to respond and you need to condition yourself how to respond when someone is trying to hit you in the head or anywhere, but especially the head, because that's the place you're going to struggle with. If sparring is too, too light and fluffy, then you're not going to feel that intensity. You're not dealing with the adrenaline of someone putting pressure on you. Um, it is just a bit of back and forth. It's a game. It's good for getting some basics of movement if you take it seriously. And that's the thing. You've got to commit to it, take it seriously. But it doesn't help you learn how to respond under pressure. And this is the same for any kind of sports training. So if you're doing uh, marathon training or training for marathons or triathlons and that kind of thing, then you could do all the training you like. Unless you pr do some, some events in the lead up to a big event you're doing, then you won't learn how to deal with, with the nerves, the anxiety, the pressure of having loads of people running around you, 
Um, you won't learn like with uh, triathlons, with transitions, you know, transition. You can practice as many transitions as you like until you have to do it under pressure. When you see other people getting ahead of you and doing it around you, you're not going to you're not going to know how you handle that. In the same way with boxing, you don't want someone who completely outclasses you just smacking you around because this isn't going to teach you. But likewise, if it's just you and your mate just flicking their hands out here and there, you're not going to learn either. You're not going to know how to handle that pressure, which is really important. And I think that's where sometimes things could fall down in white collar boxing, because ultimately there is an end goal and it's not very far away. So we did a bit of that and that was good. It starts to let you get in the routine for it. Then we learned various uh, combinations. To be honest with you, again, I think anything over, I think probably a, a, a two punch combination is more than you need for eight weeks training. Um, probably, you know, three would be a real stretch, but you could go to three. There's very few combinations thrown when you watch the events at the end, <clears throat> which kind of makes me think, doing these four and five hand combinations with people ducking and weaving and moving. It's just, it's trying to encourage you to learn to get in a rhythm of movement. But ultimately, I just think it's too much. In eight weeks, you need to be able to jab cross, maybe hook, um, possibly learn to throw a punch to the body. Um, and you need to be learned to cover up and move. And not just move your top half, you need to move your feet. And that is one of the things I think that's really important that if you could just teach people to jab cross and move their body out of the way of the person punching and get in a rhythm of doing that, I think you would see some better fights at white collar boxing. Um, so let's go, let's lean towards the learning now. I think one of the things that was interesting for me that I hadn't done in a long time was training with other people. I recalled at the time when I was doing the Muay Thai training, and one of the best things about that was the training with other people. That's what really G'd me on. Um, I still did some stuff separate from the, uh, the Muay Thai sessions that I did, but I just love training with the, I, I really love the people I trained with. And uh, they all, they all had a passion for it and enthusiasm for it, and that rubs off on you. In the same way with the boxing, not everyone's enthusiastic, but a lot of the people, you meet new people, they're excited, they're enthusiastic. They want to learn, they want to get better, and you're catching them in those first eight weeks. When you're in the first stages of learning something new, people are enthusiastic, and they don't realize you know, how little they know at that point. So it's, it's a good time to train with people. And that really, um, that really helped me stay committed and motivated, knowing those people would be there. And I think, and when I think about, was it before? I think it was after, when I started cycling again, the, I was, when I started cycling again, it was with, um, with my, uh, with a friend I'd made, Tristan. Tristan, hope you're doing well, if you're listening to this. Um, and that really got me motivated to cycle. And when I went out cycling, instead of dawdling, I wanted to keep up with Tristan, even though he was so far ahead of me in fitness, it was ridiculous. But it kept me committed and it gave me a bit of a social element, which gave just that extra enthusiasm and motivation for what I was doing. So training with people can be really good. Um, and I'm not always the best with people. People who know me have got this idea that you know, I'm super confident with new people and that and new situations. And honestly, I'm not the mostly when I go to like the box, when I went to the boxing and then later on did it again, the 
I will sit there not talking to anyone initially. Uh, if someone strikes up a conversation with me, I'm great. Um, if I'm in an environment with uh, an activity going on, I'm really good because there's something, there's a focus there. And that's really when the training gets going. That's where I get to know people because I'll have a little chat with them in between things. But just walking in blank is, is a struggle for me. I don't, you know, I don't handle that well. So having an organized activity and a social element, that, that works really well for me personally. So you've got that social element, you've got the training, you're getting fitter and it's great. And then you get a little bit closer and what they do is they they pair you up. So they need to work out who's going to, and they're, they're monitoring things as you go. You know, what level are people at? What's their fitness at? What's their size? So regardless of things you may have seen online, there is a reason why boxing has weight categories. Now, there are these rare individuals who can stray into fighting people who are particularly heavier than them. However, being bigger is an advantage over being smaller. And you don't put a super heavyweight in with a welterweight because the super heavyweight may not move in such a lively way, but you know they, they will hurt the other person severely. And... It really is a case of usually, not always, but usually a bigger person has an advantage over a smaller person. So white collar boxing is this really awkward thing where say you've got 20 people, even if you've got 30, you need to match. So say you're 30, you've got to match them for 15 fights. Uh, say a third of those are female because you match females, female, male to male. Then you're left with um, 10 pairings for the blokes. Um, now you've got to split them up into weight categories. Now, there is quite a variety. You know, you might have the, av- the average person there might be 13 stone, 12, 13 stone, but then you're going to have some guys who are big. You're always going to have a couple of bigger guys and you're always going to have a couple of like skinny little guys. Um, that's just the way you know, statistically things spread. And the problem there is, with the, say, the bigger guys, especially because they're more likely to hurt each other, you might have a discrepancy in uh, skill level. And that is a problem because you're going to have somebody who's particularly good, who's big, against someone who just can't seem to pick up the techniques, who's also big. So you can't really put them together. But then you've got a big guy who may not be that skillful, but going in with a guy who's, you know, three or four stone lighter than him, who's maybe a bit more skillful. Either way, there's a good chance there someone's going to get hurt. So it is hard for the organiser to match people up in a good way. I feel like, generally, the ones that I did and the ones that I've seen that they organised, they did a very good job with matching people up. They did the best they could with with what they had. Um, The benefit they also had was because they ran um, boxing classes separately, when sometimes people dropped out or they were struggling, they were able to get people involved from the regular boxing classes who at least then somebody could get a fight, even if someone had to be a bit, or sort of wind down how they would normally fight to do it. So we had a really good group and on the night it was, it was a buzz. Do you know, it was absolutely buzzing. And you can see all the people coming in, you can hear the noise, you get your health checks. There's a lot of hanging around. Hate the hanging around bit before. 
and the guy who I was with, he'd had some prior experience of boxing when he was younger, same as I had the Muay Thai when I was younger. Um, he'd done some, I think he had um, a, an actual amateur record. So he had be, he'd fought in the ring before in boxing. And we'd had quite a good relationship before. In the week before, I'd, I'd wound him up on uh, social media, which it was all part of uh, a playful banter, I would call it. So he had this idea, I found out afterwards, that I was going to come out swinging, trying to you know take his head off. Now, I thought, um, for no reason at all, that uh, we were coming out and going to sort of start off, uh, you know, feel each other out a bit, have it light, sort of, you know, touchy-feely, get to know each other a bit, put on a bit of a show. Um, so before, when I saw him, when we were about to walk out, he refused to look at me, he wasn't talking to me, very intense, whereas I was all playful and light and jovial. Um, turns out I should have got a message there, really, about where this was going. So we, we get in the ring, and, you know, everyone's cheering and clapping. Uh, you know, you've got family there, you've got friends there, you've got both sides, people are, you know, cheering you on. And we'd already had a few fights before that. I think only one fight had resulted in an injury at this point. Um, but there, I think it was a wrist or an elbow or something damaged. How do you damage your elbow when you're boxing? But there we go. And we got in the ring and all this, you know, these eight weeks have built up to this. And I was probably at the fittest I've been for a long time. Um, didn't quite have a six pack or anything, but it was definitely, uh, you know, good fitness. Uh, so actually, this is a good time to talk about food as well. So when I did so out training a bad diet, generally speaking, you can't do it. The times when I've been at my slimmest and my, uh, my physically sort of best visual shape is probably, no, not probably, certainly, especially over the last 15 years, so sort of 30s, late 20s, 30s onwards, it is when I paid attention to my diet. It, regardless of the amount of exercise I was doing, diet made a bigger difference than anything else, absolutely anything. So, when I did Muay Thai now, now, this was a bit different. I was training a lot, like a lot. And I was in, I was the lightest I've ever been. I, I tipped under 13 stone and I was muscular and I think I almost had a six pack. It was like ridiculous. So I haven't been back there ever. <laughs> so, um, but I was also in my early 20s. So genetically, physically, everything was kind of in my favor. I had been quite over, I'd been up to almost 18 stone a few years before that. So it wasn't like I'd never been fat. I had been. Then the training, it just sorted me out. Uh, now, what I would say, my diet wasn't great. Um, I, I enjoyed a good drink. Uh, I ate takeaways. Um, the other food, I ate a lot of food. I, I've always been a good eater and I was eating loads of food at the time, but it just the amount of training I was doing, absolutely. And that my age, I assume at the time, was a factor. I was able to um, just keep the weight off. It absolutely, I wasn't paying any attention. My diet was terrible, but my training was intense. And I think that made a huge difference. I would say when I was doing the boxing, my diet, I tried to pay attention to my diet a bit better, but it still wasn't like, I was still eating a fair few calories. Because uh, I also, because of the training, you're, you're hungry a lot and trying to counteract that and focus is like, so, and I kind of didn't need to lose weight. So I didn't feel like I needed to. So there, although I hoped to, it wasn't like, it wasn't part of it really. Mostly it was about the fitness and the doing it side of things. So 
I did lose a bit of weight. And actually, probably the amount I lost, given that I didn't really change my diet a lot, over eight weeks was quite significant. But if I had changed my diet significantly, I think I could have, you know, I could have lost a lot more weight. And I think, so even with the training I was doing for the boxing, it wasn't enough to counteract my diet. Now, as a slight aside, at the moment I'm doing, I'm training for the London Marathon. I'm doing, uh, I think I'm on about 30 kilometers a week at the moment. I run for about four, four and a half hours a week. Uh, some of those runs are quite intensive. And yet, I am not losing weight. <laughs> it's like, like my four and a half hours running a week is not counteracting uh, my, and my diet's not like, it's not the worst in the world, but I'm definitely having more calories than the average, my average per day without going to it. I'm not having lots of takeaway or anything. I just, I just like food, man. And I don't have loads of sweet stuff, but I do have my beer and it's, it just all adds up. And say running four and a half hours a week is not counteracting that. Now, elite athletes, um, those elite CrossFit, CrossFit guys, especially, geez, these, these guys, they are burning off some calories. Now, a good diet is going to help their performance, but they are, a lot of them are probably doing the kind of intense exercise over long periods of time, day after day after day, which could counteract a poor diet. Not the worst diet, but just a poor diet. So I think you can out-train a bad diet to look physically appealing, um, but it's hard. And think how much better you'd be doing if you paid attention to your diet. So anyway, that's in the new year, better diet. So I'm getting in the ring and uh, there's me and my opponent. He's a bit shorter than me, a bit stockier maybe. Um, and the ref says something, I don't know, ref does what the ref does. I'm buzzing and it's like, bite and bell goes. And he came out swinging. And wow, I was not like, I was like, whoa, this is not what I thought we were doing. And um, he absolutely, I just, I can still sort of visualize it in my head, him coming at me. And he, say so afterwards, I, I found that he thought I was going to come out swinging. So therefore he thought he better come out swinging. And it just completely caught me off guard. And I hadn't been in a ring for 17 years. And I just was, yeah, completely thrown. Utterly, completely thrown. But something I will say is, whether it was from my previous training or the training I've been through in the eight weeks, I covered up, I moved, covered up, moved. I, as I sort of settled into it, I did start throwing some punches back. I lost the first round, hands down. But I wasn't, I wasn't phased at any point. I wasn't tanked at any point. I wasn't feeling like, oh my God, he's going to kill me at any point. Um, it was just a bit of a bit of a surprise. Second round started to get a bit more in the groove. Third round, I was re we were both tired, um, and there was some there was a bit of leading on each other going on. I did catch him. So my one saving grace, I, I did catch him quite nicely at one point. Um, I think he was slightly dazed. I've got this vague memory of him being on the ropes. However, because I surprised myself and him by actually catching him with a with a decent punch, um, I didn't do anything just kind of stood there. I remember it now looking at him, <laughs> wondering why he wasn't punching me back. Um, if I capitalized on that, I don't know, who knows? Who knows? But you can't change anything. Then uh, he recovered. We had a bit more of a ding dong. Final bell goes and that's three rounds done. And it is, when you're in there, 
it feels like forever, especially come the second round when you're exhausted and you are, you've only done like a minute or so. And then suddenly the second round and 10 seconds into that, you're exhausted again because you don't breathe properly. Your adrenaline's going. Um, you're, you're throwing your hands around. Everything is max effort. And it is just, it kills you. Um, and you've just got to go on some kind of autopilot. And this is the thing with boxers, the years of training, they fight on autopilot or they, and they've learned to be able to think while letting their bodies do what they do. It's almost like they're in charge of, you know, a machine setting on different paths, giving it different strategies. And it really is to get that in eight weeks is, is, is impossible. You can't do that. And then it was over and I lost. I, I, you know, no, I, no argument there. He absolutely got the better of me for it, but I was buzzing and honest. And I was so next day. I rewatched the videos of it and I was, I was annoyed with myself. And after that, you know, I was annoyed with myself because I was just like, you, you could have done so much better, Dan. That was, you did not put in a good showing. But on the night, I have never been buzzing like that. That was just, it was one of the ultimate thrills. After the bout, I was absolutely just on top of the world being in the bar, having a couple of drinks, just, we were all of us, all just, just so happy. Now, there were a couple of injuries during it. Some people did get some uncomfortable situations. I think they had a dislocated shoulder. Um, uh, one of the guys fought twice and I think he hurt his shoulder, but his AD was amazing and his fitness was great as well. So he fought twice. I think he dislocated his, his shoulder. So he fought one handed during the second part of the second bout, which was just phenomenal. Um, there were some people who had obviously, and this wasn't just at this one in other ones, they'd obviously been doing some training separately. And I remember a few bouts I've seen where people came out in a very different way than we'd seen them in the preceding eight weeks. And that was, it was a bit disappointing because you try and match people up. It's not about knocking someone's head off, but for some people it is about knocking someone's head off. And that is perhaps the wrong the wrong philosophy to go in with the wrong moral viewpoint to go in with because you need everyone needs a chance if, if you go in to just overwhelm someone and you're going in to you know cause maximum uh, maximum damage really that's when people get hurt and this is the downside of the the white collar boxing is that until someone gets in that ring you don't quite know how they're going to react and the ref that we had and the other events, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. There was all the safety things in place. The health checks were done. They had medical staff, paramedics, ambulance. It was all fantastic. No one got seriously hurt. Okay, well, there was some damage, but not long-term lasting damage. Um, but I can absolutely see the risk involved. And amateur boxers, who, who are basically professional boxers who don't get paid, um, and professional boxers, they have been training for years and they get hurt. So to chuck a couple of people in after eight weeks training, I don't know. It's like now, would I do it again? I don't know. But then I'm a bit older now, so different viewpoint. Um, I did go to do it again. Um, I watched a friend on the next one. He was great, bless him. <laughs> he ended up getting his nose, um, well, bloodied somewhat, streaming like a river. 
partway through and I think it had to stop, which was a bit of a shame, um, but he was against someone who was somewhat larger than him. The, and then, um, then I trained for the next one. I trained for seven weeks. I was feeling really good about it. I was feeling so much more confident than the first one. And I was feeling quite confident the first one, really. But I was feeling like I've got this. You know, I can put in a good show. Win or lose, I can put in a really good showing. Um, and then the week before, uh, I probably talked about it in another one. We won't go on about it now. Uh, I rapt- fully ruptured my Achilles tendon uh, a week before the boxing match. And I was, I was pissed. And I was annoyed and I wasn't happy um, because it would have been a good night. Well, it was, I, I went to watch it anyway. It was a good night. But the, um, it was a lack of happiness about not being able to do it. And then the, uh, the, the 10, 11 weeks in a boot for the Achilles Dow. Well, the Achilles tendon is a whole other story. Um, but yeah, not happy. But the first lot of white collar boxing, I would say, is, it's a huge buzz. And the eight weeks training is great. Best fitness, I would say boxing. I did carry on with boxing for a little while. Boxing is one of the best things fitness-wise you could do, whether you get in a ring or not. Getting in a ring is just incredible, like, confidence boost if you do it the right way. It's an incredible buzz. It's exciting. It's brilliant. However, I would say look into it properly. And if you have a little bit of fear around it or a little bit of, you know, I'm not sure this is for me. Just leave it. Okay, honestly. And go in with an open mind, aware of things. Things go wrong. Things go wrong in lots of things. If you do triathlon, some people can get seriously injured. They come off their bikes, you know. But whatever you do, whatever choices you make, you've got to be aware of the possible dangers and accept them. Okay. Not statistically, I... I would assume, and I don't know because I haven't bothered looking it up, it's not a huge number of people get seriously injured doing white collar boxing, uh, just as probably not, you know, as much in regular boxing, um, well, maybe long term damage, but the, um, but it happens. And when someone does get injured, it's you, it seemed from what I've heard or what I can, you know, anecdotally, this is not like fact, um, people do get very injured. Like it's, it's not, these are not good injuries to get. Um, we are not, in today's world, we do not get smacked about by people. We do not get people trying to seriously hurt us um, on a daily basis. This is not something familiar to us. So, and that lack of experience of that can result in you being more likely to be seriously injured. So. Um, so they go, does that give you a flavor? Does that give you a, a feel for it? Um, I know my complete lack of plan for this um, creates a, a slightly different way of telling it that is not always engaging for the individual listening. But what I'd like to say is um, thank you for keeping me company on my commute to work. And I hope I've kept you company for uh, the time you've listened to this. And I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this, um, whoever you are, this person. I am at work now, so I will sign off. But just to say, just to recap, white collar boxing, fantastic, but going with a, a clear mind. Boxing training, absolutely fantastic. I, one of the best forms of physical exercise training you can get, hands down. If you do boxing training for a year 
And I mean, I don't just mean one session a week. I mean, if you do like three sessions a week and then pay a little bit of attention to your diet, honestly, your body will transform. I have absolutely no doubt. Um, and then on that note, out training a bad diet, you probably can't. Um, unless you don't work and you have some other kind of sort of independent means of income, that means you don't have to work, but you still have money. Um, and you can train, unless you can train five hours a day, then, dude, you are not out training a bad diet. That just is not happening. So, uh, yeah, just be aware of that. Right, take it easy. I will join you again. Hopefully it won't be so long away on the next Dan Moves, Eats and Learns podcast. All the best. Oh, and you can follow me, obviously. Oh, I forgot to say at the beginning. Um, at Dan Runs London Marathon on Instagram. That's Dan Runs London Marathon. Dan Runs London Marathon. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Anyway, take care of yourselves. Bye for now.